Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 252 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Saturday evening for me, Saturday afternoon for my co-host this week. Yes, folks, it is West Coast correspondent Scott Coleman. And honestly, Scott, the team that you are geographically closest to in this series is not the Braves. So uh, huh. do I have to question your allegiances in this spot? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will be happier to see the uh, the Braves win, a co- hopefully, four games this week, right? It's going to be seven days seven games um but yeah it's gonna be a challenge for the first time ever this is the nlcs talking chop preview show which is a lot of fun to do um and it's gonna be a challenge to be sure yeah absolutely and you know when we recorded last with eric and i we suspected heavily it's gonna it was gonna be the dodgers they were up 2-0 in the series and given that they are really good they were massive favorites they ended up winning game three to complete the sweep uh, over the Padres, so sets the stage for Braves Dodgers. And honestly, for a long time now, we've discussed the Dodgers as a potential slash likely NLCS opponent. If the Braves made it this far, that is the case. The Dodgers are the favorites. That's just the top line thought, um, both for the models and common sense and the betting markets. Everyone is making the Dodgers the favorites. The Braves can win, but we'll dive into that as we get going here. But the Braves lost. Twice recently to the Dodgers in the playoffs, 2013, the famous Craig Kimbrell arms crossed photo that's burned into all of our minds. And then, of course, 2018, which was uh, sort of a bloodbath two years ago. Um, I mean, my top line thought is kind of, kind of just what I said, that we've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Is there something that you want to lead off with, Scott, before we dive in? Just kind of where's your head at as this thing arrives? And by the way, just as, as people know this, we're, we're recording Saturday evening, so the roster's not out. The schedule's not even all the way out yet. We're a little bit early, but I want to give people time to listen to this podcast. Where's your mind at with, you know, 48 hours till first pitch? So this is going to be a real challenge, obviously. As you said, it's kind of felt like a collision course all year. And if the Braves were going to uh, go to their first World Series in, in two decades, really, it felt like the Dodgers were waiting, right? Um, the Dodgers are very, very good. I will say that while 2018 is pretty fresh in everyone's minds, and it should be, it was two years ago, um, this Braves team is significantly better than the one that was frankly lucky, I thought, to win one game in that NLCS in 2018 or NLDS in 2018. Um, this Braves team is really good. The Dodgers are better on paper, to be certain. Um Almost across the board, they're better. But as we know, things get weird in baseball. You get a little lucky. Other teams a little unlucky. And all of a sudden, uh, you take the series. So um, by all means, all the experts and pundits who are likely picking the Dodgers are, are doing so with good reason. I think the Braves have a chance, but they will have to play nearly perfect baseball, really, for the next week if they're going to move on. 
Yep, and they're very capable of doing that. In fact, uh, our co-host, Eric Cole, picked the Braves, knowing full well it was going to be the Dodgers, on this podcast in the last show. So people will pick the Braves. I'm sure they will. Uh, it might be more of a heart than head pick in some ways, but I'm okay with it. The Braves are definitely uh, a live underdog in this series. They can certainly win it, and we'll dive into all kinds of things uh, as we get going here. First, before we get to the Dodgers and breaking them down as a team, uh, I want to ask you about the roster. You know, the roster's not out right now as we're talking I'm expecting very little change, if any change, from the NLDS roster, uh, in which that was it was kind of it was geared toward that five game and five day setup. This time it's seven games and seven days, but they had you know the extra arms with Enoa and Wilson on the NLDS roster. Um, they went with a shorter a shorter bench with good reason with the DH in place. Honestly, I'm not sure I would change anything. Um, about the NLDS roster, you can certainly litigate the the uh, Culberson thing again, but just knowing what we know now, like. I would personally probably leave it leave it alone. Do you have any thoughts on like what yeah. might be coming or what you would change, if anything? I don't think so. If there was an obvious way to attack the Dodgers, say if they were really, really good against, say, right-handed pitching and horrible against left-handed pitching, maybe you add another lefty or two to the bullpen mix. But really, there, I don't really see any reason to make any changes. These guys who have been on the roster the last two rounds are a little more fresh, even if they're not seeing a ton of game action and really very few of them have other than the, the core maybe 20 guys or so who have appeared heavily in the game so far um, I, I don't think we'll see much change maybe as you said if they want to flip out uh, a reliever or two just for matchups or whatever they feel but ultimately I think it's going to be the same group yeah I think so too uh, I alluded this with Eric last time but this is the first time we're absolutely finally going to learn what the Braves' approach is going to be in a Game 4 of a playoff series, because to this point, um, they've only needed three starters and only needed Kyle Wright once. This time, though, they're going to have to at least approach a game without Freed, Anderson, or Wright on the mound to open it in Game 4. Now, we'll obviously dive into that much, much more when we get there, but top-line thought, like, what do you think about that Game 4, Game 5 situation for the Braves, and really, what would you do uh, knowing now that it could change? Like, for instance, if Snit uses uh, the guy that we, we might look to as a potential option for Game 4 and Game 3, we'll know that that's not the plan, and they're not going to be terribly forthcoming, I wouldn't imagine, about that plan, uh, that sort of bullpen game format for Game 4, and honestly, a reminder here, with no days off, Game 5 isn't a given to be Max Freed. Like, that that might not yeah. happen. So, uh now that we have to at least see this for sure, there will not even if there's a sweep, the race the race have to do something in game four. Uh, yep. What what would you do in that spot right now if it was you? So a couple ways to kind of attack this. I think the first one is this. Obviously, you we do not know how games one, two, and three are going to go, right? So we can have an idea of how it's going to go. It's all a guess. And then right if now. all of a sudden, <laughs> right? If if uh, Kyle Wright only goes three innings, then I'm guessing the starter for game four will be different than if Kyle Wright goes seven innings, right? Um, Ultimately, if, if I had to guess, if I had to pick someone, um, I would guess it's like Tyler Matzik might be the, the opener on game four. I think you go with a better reliever. I don't think you have to go to somebody like Josh Tomlin or Bryce Wilson in an opener scenario there. I think you you roll with a, a significantly better arm, even if you know you're only going to get one or two innings out of Matzik. He has some history of starting. Uh, Shane Green is also somebody who has thrown multiple innings before. Maybe they go to him. I would be in preference of going to, frankly, maybe even those two guys, innings one, two, and three, and seeing where you're at, right? If, if you're down, if they don't have a good start and you're down four nothing, maybe you do try to save the bullpen a little bit and go to like Tomlin to eat a couple innings. Um, but if, if you find yourself up 3-0, then I would do whatever I humanly could to keep the good relievers out there. 
Um, and, and then game five, even more so than game four, I think you just have to see where you're at. Um, if you if you're doing OK, you you want to go for the kill. Maybe you do have one of your better starters go on short rest. Um, but but again, ultimately, it's it's kind of the cop out answer. Uh, and I know it's not sexy or a hot take, but you really do just kind of have to see how the first couple games go. We, we agree. I think it's way too early. I just feel like we had it's something that is different between the last series and this one. So I feel like we had to at yeah. least talk about it for a second. But I'm 100 percent with you. If the Braves are up three one after game after after four games, they may not they may not, may not go to free in game five. Yeah. Um, if they're down three one, I would imagine they probably do go to free in game five. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that all goes. Uh, and we will, of course, talk about it in our post game um preview slash recap podcast this week but uh that was a top line thought the other thing is that i wanted to ask you about the braves before we move on to the dodgers is that you know seven games in seven days is something that's quite interesting uh, one thing that i wanted to bring up you know the, the bullpen is the is the big thing to litigate like who's available who's not on, da- on a daily basis we'll talk about that all the way through but travis darno has been incredible for the braves all season long and especially in the last series but are you really going to ask him to catch seven consecutive playoff games on seven consecutive days? That's a question that I have. Um, and if they don't do that, um, with his bat the way it has been, I can't imagine they're going to want him out of the lineup. So is this finally the time when they go to Marcelo Zuna in the outfield? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I, It hasn't come up yet because, you know, mercifully, the NLDS was a short series. It was only three days in a row, then they had more time off. But this time around, there's no avoiding it. Um, you're hoping, obviously, that maybe you win in less than seven games, but you have to plan for seven games and se- seven games in seven days, and that probably means, at least in my mind, you can't ha- you can't ask a guy to catch sixty plus innings in seven days. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but that would be that would be new territory right. for this team in the recent past. So, um, mm-hmm. a is that reasonable, and b what do you what do you do if Darno doesn't catch every single night? So I think you with the Dodgers rotation, we're going to talk about them a little more, but um, they are likely to throw a righty game one, Walker Bueller. Uh, and you of course are going to have Darno catching game one, yep. but they are going to go to lefties at least twice. It's believed that obviously Kershaw and then um, Julio Urias is expected to make probably the start in game three. So with that said, I guess what I'm getting at is I agree with you. I, I would not have Darno catch seven days in a row. They are in a dome. So it's not like he's catching in, you know, a hundred degree humid Atlanta afternoon. But um, I think just realistically, you want to keep him as fresh as possible. So I think the way I would attack it is um, whatever game, I would assume probably game three against Urias, I would uh, effectively sit Marcakis against the lefty. I would have Duvall probably in right field. I would put Marcelo Zuna in left and pray that they don't hit. I mean, inevitably, whatever game Ozuna's in the field, they're going to hit like 20 line drives at him. Right? <laughs> yep, you know exactly. how that goes. Um, it, without doubt. And he's going to have to throw three runners out at home plate. Um, but I think that's that's probably where I would look to get a break for Darno. I would have him DH. You cannot take his bat out of the lineup the way he's hitting. Um, I guess you could play the, the opposite game. If, if in game four they're going to see a righty out of the Dodgers bullpen, you could sit Duvall, keep Marcakis in there, and then and then DH uh, Darno. But ultimately, I think that that first strategy is how I would attack it. Yeah, I would too. Uh, I know they, they absolutely do not want to play Ozuna in the outfield. We've, we've seen that over and over again. I understand why. He's bad out there. But uh, especially when you take into account that the guy you would, would be removing from the lineup in that spot against the lefties, Marquez, who um, you know we've we've lauded him for his his ability to hit right-handed pitching, 
Left-handed pitching is not a strength, obviously, of Barcakis. And then defensively, he is better than Ozuna, but not, um, not, not amazing by any stretch. So that'd be what I would do as well. Again, this may not end up mattering. They may, they may just think that Darno can do it. I don't know how that's going to go, but I, you know, you can't take him out of the lineup right now. He's been so hot that it's just not an option. Um, and you sort of alluded to it, but that's the other thing. I mean, that's that's sort of the main way they can alter against a left-handed pitcher. Um, obviously, we're we're, we're going to get questions. I've already gotten a bunch of questions about this. Scott, so I have to ask it just for the benefit of the people that have asked us. Against Kershaw in Game 2, um, I can't imagine it's going to happen, but uh, wouldn't you play Christian Pache? Because I know I would. Yeah, I think I would. I mean, to be clear, Clayton Kershaw is good against everybody. He is. And he's looked, with the exception of like a stretch of five pitches against the Padres, he's been like all capital letters, Clayton Kershaw, in the playoffs so far. Um but I think to give yourself the best chance and the defensive improvement, um, I think I would I would uh, play Pache and, and sit Marcakis. But uh, we do know there's a very real element to Brian Snicker and his loyalty to Marcakis. And again, I mean, defensively, yes, there's a market improvement. Um, Pache's really has not seen live pitching. That's uh, honestly that's that's something that's, that's a huge part of this. <laughs> and this is a yes. this is this is why we're this is part of the reason I should say not the whole reason. This is part of the reason why we've been so frustrated about the way they've handled Pache is because now that they have not let him hit for weeks and weeks and weeks and play, now it's kind of impossible in some ways to go to him as a starting player in game two, um, even if it makes sense on paper. They are clearly somebody in the organization, whether it's Snit or the front office or both, is skeptical of his bat enough right now um, that they don't value it enough to play him. And because of that, that's why I kind of teed it up the way that I did. I can't imagine they're going to do it. I, I just I would be shocked by it. Uh, and just given the way that they have not been willing to play him to this point at all, even in the regular season, um, I can't imagine. I, I think it's more likely, honestly, that they would go to the Darno DH. Ozuna left field combination than it mm. is that they would start Pache. That's kind of how I would see this against left-handed pitching because this is the first time they'll see a left-handed starter, so they might change something, but I think it's way more likely to be Ozuna in the field than it is Pache. I do too, and again, I think there's something to be said for a high-level playoff game. We know who Nick Markakis is, but he is also a veteran of 12 years, and, yep. and I think there's something to be said for knowing that <laughs> he may not be sexy out there, but you at least kind of know what you're going to get. For sure. Um, Pache is immensely more talented at this point and stage of their careers, but I think there's something to be said for if, if he was getting regular playing time in September, I think it's a different conversation. But as we've kind of talked about it, I just, I would be surprised. I guess it's not impossible. And I think they would go to Ozuna and left and just have Acuna play a couple steps over and, and just pray that it's not <laughs> a, a barrage of fly balls to left field, which it, it will be 100% guaranteed if Ozuna sees the field it will be the game where he's exposed a million times. It's just the rule of baseball. Um, but yeah, I think you, I think you go with that before uh, you see Pache out there. And I, I am glad you brought that. You brought up the fact that Marquez is a veteran because, you know, we are, I, I would say skeptical of him against, I always went compared to some elements of the fan base, but there is something to be said for a guy who is a veteran who's been there and knows, knows how to approach stuff. He's also faced Kershaw a ton in his career. Yeah. He's yeah. a vet. I mean, obviously, you know, the numbers are not good for Marquez against left-handed pitching. Um, I also hope this is a massive reverse jinx and he goes three for four in game two. That'd be great. Uh, yeah. I, w- I would be on board with that. I-, I will take all the tweets that we get about it if he if he just turns it into three hits, which is inevitable. But uh, yeah, I think that we sort of explained that 
everywhere we can. I, I wish they had played Pache enough to maybe trust him here, but that's just not going to happen. And I will be stunned if it, you know, I'm happy to be wrong if they decide to, you know, bat Pache ninth and play him in right for the defense or play him in center for the defense, however you want to do that. But uh, I'll, be, I'll be surprised. And so will you on that one. Um, okay, let's go to a quick break real quickly, and then we'll go to uh, some Dodgers talk to set the stage for what's going to be a uh, pretty interesting series. So hold on tight. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Scott, let's talk about the Dodgers. Uh, We're going to do a little bit more in-depth preview of the Dodgers roster than we did the last couple series. We definitely did some of this stuff with the Reds and the Marlins, but this is a different animal with seven games, bigger stage, all that, and the Dodgers are pretty scary good. We know that. We've said it a lot, but it's worth saying now at the top of this segment. Um, offensively, um, the Braves can stack up to the Dodgers. This is the, These are the two, pretty clearly the two best offenses in the league this year, which is something that is uh, important to say because the Braves are really good too, so it's not like it's a massive Dodgers advantage, but they are really, really good offensively. A couple broad numbers for you. They led the league in WRC Plus at 122 as a team. They also led the league in home runs and runs and ISO. Um, They set the MLB record this season. Yes, the Major League Baseball record for home run percentage at 5.1%. Granted, that is a small sample size uh, in terms of the season because it was a shorter season, but that's still... Anytime you set a Major League Baseball record... It's uh, notable, I would say. Yeah. The good thing is the Braves are pretty good at um, not allowing home runs, knock on wood. They were actually top five in the league in home run rate allowed this year. That's a good thing. But they were also second in WOBA um, to the Braves, which is nice. Um, they were tied with the Braves in selected percentage, and they didn't strike out a lot either. So I say all that. The Dodgers are basically just awesome across the board offensively. Uh, that's not breaking news, but what's your reaction to sort of seeing it all mm-hmm. in one place and just realizing that they are kind of without a weakness offensively? They are very, very good. Um, as good as the Braves were offensively, I think the Dodgers were were hand-in-hand hand right there with them. Uh, they have Mookie Betts, who is, I think, probably, I mean, I think without much argument, a top five player in baseball. I think you could maybe even make an argument he's second or third. Uh, they have Cody Bellinger, who was not great this year. I mean, no. he had a 114 WRC+, plus, which is still pretty good. Um, and again, it's very small sample, but you just worry because we know how instantly Cody Bellinger can change a game, right? Yeah. Um, Corey Seager finally had a full healthy year. He looked great. 
Um, Justin Turner is one of those guys. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I don't think he's like ever made an out against the Braves. He always he, he hit he just hits in big spots too. Like he's a yeah. he's a playoff tested guy, vet, and just he just matches at the right time. I mean, that some of that stuff is intangible, but he's he's a very good hitter, obviously. Yeah, I mean, he's in like the the Trey Turner fan club because they <laughs> they never make outs against the Braves, right? Um, Will Smith here we here we can hope for a Will Smith versus Will Smith matchup <laughs> in the uh, later innings. Uh, Eric Steven, who runs the uh, Dodgers SB Nation site, is very, very in favor of this. He's, he wants anything. He's going to do anything he can to make that happen. Uh, so Will Smith, a terrific young catcher. I mean, and they just go down the list. A.J. Pollock, Austin Barnes, uh, Max Muncy, who's another guy who has given the Braves a ton of trouble over the years. He was not great this year, but he still scares you. So the name recognition is very, very good. I think while you could argue that the Braves' is top of the order it, statistically was was undeniably better, yeah. um, but I think the depth one through nine, there is not a single place where you can go in this lineup to get an out, um, and they are they are very good. As you said, they don't strike out. They work the count. They get starting pitchers out of the games early, um, and even if you do have a good bullpen like the Braves do, ultimately you're not going to want to rely on your bullpen to cover a whole bunch of innings regularly in a series where you don't have days off. So it will be a challenge. I, I think the Braves <clears throat> to wrap up, the Braves have been fortunate to face two pretty bad lineups so far. The Reds and the Marlins were in the bottom 10 uh, pretty much across the board. Statistically, this Dodgers lineup is stupid. So the pitching has been great for the <laughs> Braves. I'm, I'm not taking that away, but this is, I mean, this is like going from a JV lineup to a, to a varsity lineup in a hurry. Yeah, and this, that's that's a good thing to just mention broadly speaking is that everyone realizes, and we've said a number of times already on the podcast over the last week or so, how good this pitching staff has been in the first two series. That that does not um, go unnoticed, and it shouldn't be discounted. I, you know, you have to acknowledge the competition level, but they were still incredibly good top to bottom as a pitching staff in those first two series. Um, it will be a surprise to everyone if they are able to just completely shut down the Dodgers' offense. Um, I just can't imagine that happening over um, seven game series. Um, the Dodgers are going to score some runs. That's not. Um, it's going to feel weird maybe after the first two series to have the opponent scoring. Um, <laughs> but the Dodgers are just too good to fully, you know, shut down. Um, you mentioned all the names, but the guy actually the Dodgers are kind of known for their versatility. But this time around in the playoffs so far, again, it's a pretty small sample size given that they uh, they cruise just like, just like the Braves did. But they've, they've actually used a similar lineup in every game. It's Betts. It's Seager. Turner, Muncy, Will Smith, Bellinger, Pollock, and Chris Taylor have have started every game so far, and they used Jock Peterson, another big name, um, as their DH against against a right-handed pitcher, and they used Smith as a DH against lefties with Austin Barnes catching. So they've kind of used ten guys so far. Not not a, not a huge split kind of stuff. They do have more depth than that if they need it, but they do have kind of their primary guys that they're going to use, um, and they also don't. They're not huge splits guys like Bellinger is the one notable name that he is pretty uh average mediocre against left-handed pitching but everybody else is pretty platoon neutral I mean obviously some guys have little splits but no one uh no one ghastly so uh it's worth noting that Dodgers are much better against right-handed pitching they were tied with the Braves actually for first and WRC plus against righties they were only eighth against lefties that, that might not sound great but they were still a 113 WRC plus against lefties so they were still good um but yeah. if you're looking at a favorable, it's it's all it's all sort of a small sample size for this year. But it looks like they might be a little bit worse against Max Fried in the left-handed core than they are against the mm -hmm. righties. But honestly, we're picking nits here. This is a lineup that's just kind of scary good. Um, and obviously, Betts 
is an MVP level player. He, 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 he probably, I mean, we're hoping he doesn't win this year. I hope, hope Freddie wins. <laughs> but Betts is a, you know, top five player in baseball kind of level player. And then they have legitimate other stars. Like Bellinger has been an MVP level player in the past. Seager is a talented guy. Like they just, they're not all like super duper stars, but they have no weaknesses. Well, and it's, it's an interesting point that you bring up too, about the Dodgers really haven't done the platoon thing because no. in 2018, they we, usually do. Yeah. we lamented the Braves bench as in the game, the Dodgers clinched. They had, I think all their lefties on the bench, right? They had Jock, Jock Peterson on the bench. They had Max Muncy on the bench in a, in a potential clinching playoff game. They had that kind of talent. Um, one thing that the Brewers famously did, I believe right after that Braves Dodgers series is they would open and have like a left-handed pitcher and face literally one batter. And then they pulled him. I think Wade Miley went out, got one out and left the game and they brought in a righty just so the Dodgers would have to make some lineup decisions. You you don't even have that advantage, right? You, they no. don't have these extreme platoon guys. It was something before looking into um, before looking into their numbers a little more. And as you said, there's not a ton of drastic splits like they had a few years ago. Um, you don't even have that advantage where you can force uh, their coaching staff to kind of figure out what they want to do. Yeah, there's not an obvious place, uh, and we'll you know we'll leave it there for now on the offense. One thing I want to mention is that they the Dodgers sneakily signed Terrence Gore, um, who if you are a baseball fan, you've probably seen Terrence Gore run very fast in, in the playoffs for different teams. Uh, they have a situational speedster. He's that exactly. He never hits in the playoffs or ever. He's like the most specialist player of all time. Basically, mm-hmm. picture Billy Hamilton, and that's Terrence Gore essentially. Um, he yeah. just doesn't do anything but run. But that's that's a guy to at least keep an eye on, especially late in the game. If they have, if they're down one, they might throw Terrence Gore out there and say, steal a base on whoever. So he's a guy I wanted to make sure that I mentioned because he is that kind of uh, speedster on the base pass. Uh, unless you have any final thoughts on the offense, I think we've probably, we've probably no. scared people enough at this point in time with that. <laughs> they group. are good. We yes, tra- they we- are good. <laughs> we can transition <laughs> to the, uh, to the other side and their pitching, which is not as good. It is still quite good. Uh, though, unfortunately they were not that incredible in terms of starting pitcher war this year. They were only 11th in the league and 21st in innings, but that comes with the fact that they have an incredible, incredible stable of relievers and they have, you know, eight starters and all the stuff that, you know, Alex Wood, old friend, who's like a pretty good pitcher is on their taxi squad. <laughs> so that tells you, that tells you all you need to know about this. They're uh, very loaded. Um, they were also number one in ERA this year in terms of, uh, I think it was, yeah, three, 3.02. They were first in walk rate. Uh, they were second in FIP and fifth in war uh, in terms of overall pitching stuff. We mentioned this earlier, but the top two starters are Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw. Bueller's been announced already. Uh, Kershaw is, you know, very much implied for game two. Um, and we'll see how those guys look. Kershaw has famously had some playoff struggles, but he looked pretty good earlier, and he's uh, one of the best pitchers of all time, a Hall of Fame level guy. What are your thoughts on Bueller and Kershaw? Because, you know, they're bigger names than what the Braves have, but, I'm you know, given the way that the Braves are pitching right now at the top of their rotation, it may not seem like a huge mismatch, but clearly, you know, Bueller and Kershaw pedigree-wise are a little bit, probably a little mm-hmm. bit step up, step ahead, a step ahead of the young guys the Braves have. Oh, sure, and they, they have far more experience in the playoffs. I know, again, there's not 50,000 people in the stands, though there will be a few. It sounds like they are selling tickets to the NLCS. Listen, any, any, um, anytime you can announce a bubble and then sell tickets to fans, <laughs> you have to do it, Scott. I'll, I'll, leave that, only, I'll leave that there for now, but my goodness. Only uh, only Rob Manfred, right? 
Um, as always, yes. Rob Manfred is a, is a is a crown jewel of baseball. It's, it's just I'm just so glad the commissioner loves the game so much. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he really understands the game. Okay, anyway, we'll stop now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, Walker Bueller uh, was okay this year. He was not the same guy he was in 2019, where he was maybe a top five or six pitcher in baseball. But um, he is dealing with some blister issues. Now the Dodgers only had Bueller go four innings in his first two postseason starts, although that could just be a product of wanting to keep him healthy. And honestly, they could probably throw their their fifth or sixth starter out there against the uh, the Brewers, <laughs> who they saw in the wild card round, and probably be okay. Um, but Bueller is is who he is. I think you'll see him get the leash taken off a little bit. Um, he is very good when he's healthy. And then Clinton Kershaw, other than really a stretch of about five pitches where he gave up back-to-back homers to the Padres, he has been as good as vintage Clayton Kershaw as there has ever been. I think he had a dozen strikeouts in his first start against the Brewers, a, a bad Brewers lineup to be sure. They they were arguably the worst lineup in baseball outside of Pittsburgh this year. So they have not seen um, a, a lineup, frankly. I think the Padres lineup early on was really, really good, but they even slowed down towards the end of the year. So those two guys are very scary. It's going to be a real challenge. You cannot give up many runs uh, because they're just not going to give up a whole bunch. But um, – two guys who are as good of a one-two punch as you're going to see. Yeah, there is some optimism with Bueller, like you referenced. He's not been incredible. He is a high-pedigree guy, a really talented guy, but maybe not the ace-level guy that he has been in the past. He could be, certainly. He could come out and be dominant, and that wouldn't surprise anyone. But that's potentially a weak spot, and same with Kershaw. You know, Kershaw is not himself anymore anyway. You know, he's not the same level that was, you know, that God-level pitcher that was the best guy in the business for like a half decade. He's not that anymore. He was really good this season, but the playoff stuff is real-ish. I'm always skeptical of that, like the narrative of the playoff stuff, but the numbers are what they are. He's not been as good in the playoffs. That's happened. I don't know what you make of it, but it's out there, and you can at least maybe capitalize on that a little bit. They use, they use Dustin May, another incredibly talented guy, uh, in Game 3 against the Padres as a pure opener, but then they went to uh, Urias, who you mentioned earlier. Um, May is another option maybe for Game 4. He was really good this year uh, with a sub-3 ERA. Urias is a former top prospect. Um, he has a 3.27 ERA. Basically, everyone has a good ERA on this team. Um, and the other thing, that they could, they also could use Tony Gonsolin, who uh, has a 2.60 career ERA. Uh, it's about a pretty small sample size, but only 8 starts this year. A 2.31 ERA. So depth is certainly advantage Dodgers. And if you were to, you know, if the Braves are down 2-1 after three games in a series, it's definitely uh-oh time because game four, mm. on paper at least, uh, favors the Dodgers even more than game, even more than the overall because they just have, you know, their fifth best starter is considerably better than the Braves, the guys the Braves can offer in game four. Um, even if you want to be judicious about a bullpen game and use all your best guys, Gonsolin, May, um, some of the other options are uh, are very good. So if they go to yeah. one of those guys in Game 4, it's definitely advantage Dodgers there. You almost took the words out of my mouth. I think if the Braves are going to win this series, and what I'm about to say is fairly obvious, but <laughs> it really does feel like if the Braves are going to win this series, they have to win two out of the first three. I because agree. if they're down 2-1 to one going into Game 4 when they're going to try and mix and match and, and the Dodgers presumably go with Dustin May, who would be a full-on mid-rotation starting pitcher for probably 90% of the teams in the league. Um, in any series, obviously, you want to be up 2-1, to one, right? But in this series, especially, looking at game four and then potentially a five with short rest, Max Freed, 
you're going to need to be up early. This is not a series where you want to go behind. Again, nothing is saying that the Braves couldn't win a bullpen game against the Dodgers. The Braves' oh, yeah. bullpen was as good as anyone's, but certainly going up 2-1 to one in this series is absolutely vital, regardless of what two games you win. Yes, uh, and I'm glad you said it because I don't want to imply otherwise. The Braves could certainly win a Game 4 or a non-freed Game 5 against the Dodgers, but on paper, the Dodgers' depth of starting pitching is obviously superior to the Braves. Um, you know, shouts to Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright for being incredible uh, so far in the playoffs. Anderson twice and Wright once. Um, those guys, we're, we're going to be confident in them on this podcast and just like assume that they're going to be good. They won't probably be as good because it's hard to throw shutout innings against the Dodgers. But even if we're, for our purposes, we're, we're going to assume they're going to pick, they're going to pitch well in games two and three. And I'm, I'm just more worried about what happens after that, because again, the, the Dodgers, just, they, they have more depth. It's just not up for debate. Frankly, they have so many more starting pitching options. And uh, I guess to the Braves credit though, Imagine us talking about this like a month ago. In fact, we might have even alluded to it at one point on the podcast. Um, the Braves are in a much, 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 much better spot with starting pitching right now than we thought than we pictured them being a month ago. Uh, so that that's a huge credit right now on this podcast and, and elsewhere to Anderson and Wright because man, yeah. at one point we were like, all right, they have one pitcher, <laughs> and it's Max Reed, and there's yeah. like, there's nothing else. So uh, it, it feels nice to not have to be worried about games two and three as much. That's nice. Yeah, I mean, there were, there was legitimately a time where Josh Tomlin was probably the second best starting pitcher you felt. I think I said that on the podcast, possible. and like people got yeah. mad at me. And I was like, look, look at look at the numbers. Like he's not, <laughs> it's not like a good thing. I'm just saying. Yeah, but thankfully, as you said, I mean, Anderson has been ungodly. I mean, if the Braves somehow do win this series and then go on, and who knows what would happen beyond that in the World Series, but Anderson has been amazing. I said this on the last time, but you know, if Anderson was pitching for the New York Yankees right now in primetime every night. And he had made two amazing playoff starts. He would be quickly becoming a household name. Of course, he's made two starts at like noon pretty much. So uh, he, uh, he has not had quite the same opportunity of name recognition, but if he goes out there and has another good start or two, he will be a immortalized Braves starting pitcher for, I mean, he honestly, he could do like nothing the rest of his career and he would be beloved just for his performances, this playoff. So hopefully he's able to go out. And as you said, this, this is a different breed of lineup. Honestly, you could probably pair the best players from the Marlins and the Reds lineups and you would still be like significantly worse than, uh, Uh, than the Dodgers by a mile. That's a good point, but you're a hundred percent. That that sounds insane, but you are 100% right about that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, you could, probably do that with a handful of teams and still be nowhere near and again it's not to say the Braves don't have a phenomenal lineup a really good starting pitching so far great bullpen um, but this is a, a different different breed and that's as they say you to be the best you've got to beat the best and they will certainly be stacked up against frankly the best team on paper in Major League Baseball yeah um, last position group that I want to hit on here is the bullpen uh, in a shocking twist Scott the, the Dodgers are also deep in the bullpen uh I will say this optimistically: their their yeah. closer, Kenley Jansen, who is still used as a traditional closer, uh, is still good on paper, to be sure. But he is not what he used to be. At one point, he was the best reliever in baseball potentially. Uh, he was really, really good. Uh, he still is okay, or too good. But his walks his walks are up. His velocity is down. Um, not to go too deep on it, but he he's I think gettable. Not not someone that I am like thrilled to face if I'm the Braves, but a guy in which he doesn't scare me in the way that he used to. That's that's yeah. a good that's a good thing on paper. 
the other options they have, I'll just I don't want to go down the list too <laughs> much here, but uh, Pedro Pedro Baez, Dylan Floro, Brewster Gratterall, Joe Kelly, uh, World Series hero Joe, Joe Kelly, uh, Blake Trinan, Jake McGee, uh, and a couple other guys. So basically everyone, and I mean everyone, out of that out of that list was good this year. Trinan is an established guy, a veteran. For uh, he used to be on the Nationals, etc. He had the highest ERA of anyone they are carrying right now in the playoffs, and his ERA was three point eight six. And even then, his FIP was three point one five. And he's a veteran, like quality arm. Uh, so again, they could be beatable, I suppose. But this bullpen is uh, is quite good, and there's not really anywhere to point to and be like, all right, that's the spot because yeah. all these guys are pretty good. Well, and I think especially in the Marlins series, we talked about how you have to get those starters out of the game early because you could exploit their bullpen. And I think even in the Red series, even though it was all of two games and it didn't necessarily happen, you wanted to get Bauer and Castillo out because the bullpen, while solid, was is not nearly at this level. There is not that situation for the Dodgers here. Um, you have to take advantage, whether it's in the first inning or the eighth inning. I will say, if there is one area where I think you can exploit the Dodgers – um, Dave Roberts, the manager, is a notoriously horrible in-game manager. <laughs> he um, is. He is not. He's not good. Let's let's just say it's very weird. But the Braves do not have a tactical disadvantage at manager nope. in this series. No, this is not Kevin Cash from the Rays. This is not Terry Francona from the Indians. Um, Roberts is really bad with a game-by-game basis. Now, again. It doesn't. I like to think that if you have a good enough roster, it doesn't really matter who's managing them, right? Because you, you cover so much whenever you have an awesome, uh, whenever you have an awesome roster like they do. But I think if there's one area where they can exploit, it's Robert's bullpen management has been shaky, even in the playoffs so far. It has not been great. Um, who knows if if it'll come to pass or if that becomes a thing as it's become a thing in recent uh, Dodger playoff failures in the World Series, but. Um, on as we talk about the lineup rotation and bullpen i think that's the one area where you have a little bit of hope and reason to think that uh he could for whatever reason cause the dodgers to lose a game they shouldn't necessarily need to lose yeah and you know we're guilty of this too i think people are guilty guilty of this overall just like kind of overvaluing what tactical managing actually does for you um both pro and con. I've said that in the past, but worth emphasizing here. But the one time, the one time of the year where it really can get you beat is in a playoff series. And mm-hmm. Dave yeah. Roberts, uh, I, I agree. You know, we've been honestly, I, I've been pretty complimentary of Brian Snicker so far in the playoffs. Uh, I think it's been fairly straight ahead stuff, and obviously it, hel- it helps when you win every game. But I think he's done a, a good job so far. Um, so that gives you some confidence going into the series compared to where, where I might have been a couple weeks ago. And like I said before, I think that he really is not, uh, you know, I'm not sure Snicker is like clearly better than Dave Roberts, but he's not worse. So that's not a disadvantage for you. And it's probably good that you pointed that out, Scott, because, you know, it's little things like maybe Roberts falls in love with Kershaw and leaves him in for an inning too long or yeah. something like that. It, it won't be something like the bad thing is there's no one there's no one that's terrible for him to go to in the bullpen because they, they're just so <laughs> good. good point. But. You can leave a guy in too long. You can pinch hit in a weird spot, or do you know call a hit and run for no reason. There are things you can still do to mess your team up, um, even when your team is as good as the Dodgers are. So, uh, yeah, that's a good spot to focus on because Roberts, at least to this point in his tenure with the Dodgers, has has cost them some. Like you, you could say that they would have. Yeah. It's I don't know. People I'm sure will say that he like directly cost them a World Series. I wouldn't say that, but he certainly did not help them in their pursuit of their first World Series in a long time. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
a place to circle, to be sure. Um, any final thoughts on the Dodgers mm-hmm. roster? We've done a good job, I think, scaring everyone about how good they are, but uh, I'm kind of out of I'm kind of out, out of ammo. Unless you want to talk like deep dive about Joe Kelly, we could probably leave, leave, leave that alone for now. <laughs> American hero Joe Kelly doing doing the Lord's work for his <laughs> uh, his pouty face and throwing at the Astros. And uh, speaking of which, here's hoping the Rays just dog walk the Astros next week as well. That's the other side of the bracket. If the Braves advance, yep. they will see Tampa Bay or they will see Houston. Here's hoping it's uh, Tampa Bay. I, uh, actually, here, here, okay, this is actually interesting, and I'm, we're going to spend very little time on this because I don't want to jinx anything, knock on wood. If you're a Braves fan, I think you probably need to swallow it and root for the Astros because the Rays are better than the Astros. I agree. I, I think in a – I think so. I mean, on – frankly on paper i think the astros probably have a little more talent but the rays are just they're incredible with how they find players so yeah i think i think in a short series especially if grinky's not 100 percent and they have some pitching issues i would i would take the astros over the rays to be sure i am not trying to jinx it and we'll move on right now before talking about anything having to do with it's all your fault it is all your fault uh okay um Schedule-wise, we do not know all the times yet because we're recording this on Saturday night. We do know the, that the game one is going to be Monday at 8.08 p.m. So congratulations to Braves fans that have day jobs like me and Scott. Uh, we can watch this game at home in the evening. So yeah. that that's one. Um, if you want to follow the traditional path that the MLB schedule makers have used in the past, um, it's usually going to be 4.08, 8.08, essentially. Every day, they could flip the Braves to that 408 spot a game or maybe two during the week. But with with the Yankees out of it now in the American yeah. League, they might throw the Rays-Astros uh, game at once in prime mm. time. But I would imagine yeah. it's going to be mostly Braves-Dodgers in that late game. So uh, get your coffee ready if you're on the East Coast <laughs> like me. Uh, we are still going to do podcasts after every game. We probably won't be recording until we'll probably starting the podcast at midnight or later. So it's going to be a long week for me, but um, we're we're going to be doing that, and hopefully, uh, Braves fans can actually watch their team play this week. It'll be nice. I mean, I I think I'm with you. I think as soon as the Yankees went out, um, I I really don't think MLB will give the Dodgers with the time difference a one o'clock start out west. They they might do it once. I think they might do it once, just because I, I, I I'm such a media nerd that I dug into this like the last couple years. I think they might flip it one time just to kind of throw a bone. Like last sure. year, for instance, uh, they they did it once during the week where they, they had sort of the normal schedule and they flipped it once. Now, the only the only caveat is this year is the first time they've ever done it. They've ever had literally a doubleheader every day after after Sunday. So the mm-hmm. ALCS starts tomorrow on Sunday. But every day after that, there's a doubleheader. Like usually there's a break somewhere where there's a one game night and you could like do it that way. This time, it. <laughs> It, they basically have to just do the same exact schedule every day, unless they want to give. I don't know if if I'm a if I'm a if I'm a Rays fan or uh, I don't know. I'm not sure that I don't know Rays or Astros <laughs> fans do, are they worth throwing the bone to? I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like I'm trying to think from yeah. from, from baseball standpoint because um, you're gonna get the same thing. Honestly, we we complained about it last last week. Um, if I'm if I'm a fan of the Astros. And okay, the Astros is a bad example because everyone hates the Astros. Uh, the Rays. If I'm a fan of the Rays, if I'm one of the twelve Rays fans in the world, um, it's true. I mean, trust, <laughs> it's I, true. I, I have it fa- is true. I have family that are Rays fans, so I can say that. But there are not many Rays fans, just to be yeah. honest with you. No, um, for sure. But if I'm one of those people, and every game's at four o'clock, that's not that's not great. I mean, at least throw me one bone is what is what I would say about that. So it won't surprise me if it's just eight oh eight every night for the Braves and the Dodgers. 
and it won't surprise me if there's one, maybe two games uh, that are flipped. So we'll see. And maybe by the time we listen to this, you'll we'll already know the schedule. It'll probably be out pretty soon, I'd imagine. Um, but yeah. at 7.21 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, we don't have it. But game one, 8.08. So congratulations to Scott. 5.08 start. Get excited. <laughs> Very happy. Yes. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm on the West Coast. So uh, 9 a.m. starts in the wild card and 11 a.m. starts in the NLDS. We're not ideal. I kind of liked once they won that you could watch the nighttime games knowing you had one in your back pocket. But um, yeah, so thankful to be in prime time. I think they'll they'll probably, as we've said, keep them there. And it'll be nice. I know you have to stay up a little bit later, but it is better than having to figure out a way to secretly watch, <laughs> secretly watch the games on your work computer or DVR the games and avoid social media like the plague or, or whatever it was you were doing. <laughs> that, was, that, that was untenable. I c- couldn't, do that, couldn't do that one for sure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just if you're thinking about, especially if the series goes long, just start thinking about my uh, my hmm. my own sanity as we as I record and then edit and drop podcasts at like two in the morning and then go to and then go to work at seven the next morning. Just be thinking about me. That's all I'm saying. Um, man of the person, yeah. I man try. Of people, Brad Roland. I yep. try. Um, all right, it's time, Scott, to weigh in with predictions to set the stage. I will remind everyone again that uh, friend of the program, co-host number three, Eric Cole. Picked the Braves on this podcast just a few days ago in seven games. So that happened. Um, predictions in terms of the models, Fangraphs has the Braves with a 38.8% chance to win the series, 538 at 25%, a little bit low there. Sportsline, uh, which is CBS's gambling platform that I actually do some work for, um, 34.47%. ESPN's model has 26.7%. So anywhere between 25 and 40 for the Braves. That is similar in the betting market. Um, this might go over your head, but essentially the Braves are like a plus 180-ish underdog almost everywhere that I've seen series prices, which means that they are just a pretty substantial underdog. Not a not a Marlins-level underdog against the Braves last time, but um, everyone, basically, every system, every market that I've seen favors the Dodgers by somewhere between 75 and 60%. So that shouldn't surprise anyone. Based on everything that we saw on this podcast, the Dodgers are really good. So I will throw it to you first, Scott. Where do you land on this? Mm. Every caveat, seven games, seven days, uncertainty, roster. We don't, we, we don't, we don't know the rosters, but it's we have to weigh in here. So where are we at? So this is hard, right? Because your heart obviously wants to say the Braves. This has been a terrific team really from, from day one. Very good lineup. The starting pitching has been fantastic. We know how good the bullpen is. Uh I'm going to take the Dodgers in seven. I think we're in for a great series. I think it's going to be closer than some of the models think. I, I think this Braves lineup, even against good pitching, if there's one thing that we have seen, the Braves have faced about as good of starting pitching as any team can possibly see in five postseason games so far. And they, they've scored. I mean, with the exception of that first game where they went 13 innings without finally scoring a run, uh, the, the lineup has been plenty good, right? Um, I worry about the depth of the pitching is, I think, going to be the difference in the series. I think uh, ultimately it could be those games four and five that end up sinking the Braves. As I said earlier, I think it is absolutely vital that they go up two to one in order for them to win the series. And frankly, I think if they do that, I think they have a pretty decent chance. I think anything from uh, Braves in six or seven is certainly possible. But if I'm going with my uh, very official pundit, podcast prediction i will say the dodgers in seven it would be a heartbreaking way to end a really fun year but i ultimately think the dodgers are just a little bit better uh, than the braves are right now 
yeah, that that's all very reasonable. Uh, you know, before I give like my official weigh-in prediction, I think that you know, for instance, five thirty-eight in ESPN's models being in the mid twenties that that's just too low. Um, that's you know, we're I think we're pretty objective on this on this show. I'm not a homer by any means. That that is too low. Um, it's a baseball series. If the Dodgers the Dodgers were playing the Marlins they still would probably be like 80-20 in my view because it's a it's baseball like things happen in baseball it's a, it's it's the most random sport um maybe hockey's close but it's much more random than football or basketball is baseball you know every season you're built in with 40 losses plus before you even start it's just it's just the way it goes um randomness breaks in so 75-25 just feels way too aggressive on the Dodgers even while acknowledging that I firmly believe they're the best team in baseball so I'll say that off the top. I think it's closer to where Fangraphs is, which is like 60-40. I think the Dodgers should be favored. They are favored. They are better on paper. Their weaknesses are not really uh, existent. Um, I'm with you. I, I have a hard time in my brain picking the Braves to win this series. They absolutely can win it. I just told you that I think they have like a 40% chance to win it. Um, people sometimes don't understand percentages and realize and think that you know 60-40 is like, okay, this team, this team, this favor is going to win, or eighty twenty means definite win, and that's not really the case. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know. I think I almost want to say Dodgers. I, I'll be different because you said Dodgers in seven. I, I'll, I'll go Dodgers in six. I hope I'm wrong. Obviously, I think Dodgers in six and a half is kind of where I am in terms of the in terms of the market. Like they should be favored. They I have to pick them based on my own brain function. The Braves can win though, and like you said earlier, it's a great point. I think you made. If the Braves win game one in particular, that's one that I am really circling. And it's not fair to Max Freed or anybody else. It's still one It's still one baseball game. But if the Braves win game one, you'll see the models take that into account, and the Braves would be like a coin flip. They might even be favored to win the series after game one if they win it. That's yeah. just that's how big it is. I mean, it's it's one out of seven, and it's 14% of the series. If you win, if you win game one, things really turn. But if you lose game one, you will see in the market, you will see in the prediction models the Braves go down to 20% or go down to 15%. That's the kind of swing that that game can be, which we all understand that that goes without saying, but it's just sometimes useful to hear about the numbers in your head. It might be a 30%, 35% swing in the odds as to who wins game one, who wins game yeah. one. <laughs> so it's that's a really huge thing. Um, on the bright side, that's Max Freed. Max Freed's been nails all year. I know, I know he was not great in his last start, but he's been really, really good. Uh, I believe the Braves have not lost with him pitching all year long. Still, I want that, that was right. definitely true yeah. at one point. I think it might still be true. I should have had that written down, so my apologies. But yeah, uh, if you have a, a really, really, really important game, if you're the Braves, uh, that's the guy you want pitching it. I know Anderson has been better so far in the playoffs, but I, I will take Freed 100%. So yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a big one. We'll definitely react as such after game one. Uh, I will I will be the first one to tell you if the Braves lose game one that it's not over, and I'll be the first person to tell you if the Braves win game one then it's not over. <laughs> so uh, long series, <laughs> yeah. but game one's big. And uh, to your point about the first two out of three, yeah, I think this is a spot where the Braves really need to be winning this series and not trying to come from behind against a team that like, like the Dodgers that has some edges built in. Yeah, no, it, it's going to be a great series. I mean, I think all year long, in my estimation, the Braves and Dodgers, I know the Padres had a better record, but I would argue uh, they had some flaws, especially with the starting pitching injury they had later in the season. Yeah, their 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 roster at the very very end was not as good as the Braves. Yeah, just wasn't. yeah. I mean, they they lost. I mean, with any reason. I mean, it's the. I know the Braves already lost Soroka, but it would effect, effectively be 
the equivalent of losing a healthy Mike Soroka and a healthy Max Freed literally a week before the playoffs began. So yep. I think these are clearly the two best teams. I think, honestly, I guess if we're going to go even farther, I think the team that wins this series, whether it's the Dodgers or Braves, win the World Series. I think if the Braves win this, I think they're going to go all the way. Whew. I think they're a better team than Tampa, and I think they're a better team than Houston. I just do. Um, but the Dodgers are, without any doubt, the best team on paper in baseball. They they frankly have been the best team on paper for years in baseball. I mean, they just we, haven't we've said it. Through. I mean, even yeah. like even in jest, I remember talking about this in like August, just kind of referencing the future and playoff odds. And, you know, both of us and Eric, too, we've all just kind of referenced the Dodgers as this like looming monster. And it's not to be negative. It's just the fact that if you if you truly sit back and observe baseball and look at the numbers and look at the rosters, they are just the best team in the league on paper. And it's got, mm-hmm. fortunately, baseball is not played on paper and they are certainly capable of losing. But by the way, this team has lost every year. They have not managed to win the World Series yet, despite being the best team almost the entire time. I mean, you could certainly argue like maybe Houston was better than them when they were really cooking and all that. But the Dodgers have been, if not the best team, one of the two best teams for five plus years in a row. And they have not won yeah. the World Series yet. So there you go. Yeah. No, I mean, again, they could, could the Dodgers come in and just, crush the Braves absolutely and it would be deflating but honestly it would not be a crazy outcome right because of how good they are Um, I also think the Braves can absolutely win this series so it should be good take a deep breath strap in Uh, this is going to be as I mean this is why you're a fan right this is why you're a fan of a team the Braves played great against the Reds and the Marlins but this is a different level of opponent Um, I hope they win. I, I truly do. I would like to think that all of the bad juju the Braves have had in the playoffs really the last two decades is going to finally have a couple bounces go their way. They've had that so far, and hopefully they're able to, to throw in the monster and then go to their first World Series here in a long time. That would be nice. And uh, your scenario about the Dodgers blowing the Braves out in the series is certainly possible. I will say this on an optimistic note. The Braves are capable of winning this series in five games. They are capable of just beating up on the Dodgers. Yep. It, it's baseball. Baseball is random, and the Braves, <laughs> the Braves are really good. So if they come out and Anderson pitches like the way that he's been pitching, and so does Wright, and Freed has been great all year, if those guys come out and shove, and the offense wakes up, the Braves can make this a short series too. It's not. It's, this is not one way. The Dodgers are favored, like we both said, but the Braves can come out and win it too in in, in, yeah. in, in pretty dominant fashion. They are capable of doing that, and uh, yeah, the way that you put that is great. Uh, this is why you're a fan of a team. This is uh, it's a really really fun time. We're going to be here the entire way. We've been here the entire way to this point. Um, like I said before, we're, we're planning on recording every game after the game is over. No matter how late it is, even if they go to 14 innings, we'll, we'll still be here. Um, at that point, it'll probably be me and Scott because Eric <laughs> Eric, Eric has children and like a life and a family that has, he has to attend to. But here I am by myself. So, uh, yeah, me and you, Scott. Might be a lot, might be some late nights, and Eric, I'm gonna have to beg Eric to like put the coffee pot on at some point in the series and yeah. uh, hang out with us for a couple nights. But yeah, should be fun. Please subscribe to the podcast for sure. Scott, you have, you have anything to plug? I know our, our website is uh, definitely populated with a lot of content, but if you have anything coming, please share it. Yeah, continue to check out the site. Uh, great stuff every day. We're gonna have full coverage pregame, during the games, post game. Uh, a lot, a lot of good content. And again, this is why this is fun, right? Even if you know it's going to be a tough series, this is the most fun you have as a, as a fan, at least in my opinion. And um, it, it should be a great series. Shout out to everybody on the on the writing side who has done a great job. And yeah, look forward to some. Uh, you know, my time it's only going to be like eight or nine o'clock, Brad. So you uh, 
you're going to get me a little more awake. I'll, I'll make sure we'll get you a nice uh, espresso or something like that before. And we'll, we'll breeze through. Hopefully we have some Braves wins to talk about and should have a lot of fun. Yeah. You're going to have to carry us. We, we joked in the past about when the Braves would go to like Colorado or San Diego and Scott would have to handle the whole series because uh, he was the only one awake at the end of the games other than maybe me. Uh, this time we'll all be awake, but uh, you will be the only one that's fresh at the end of games. There you go. Right yes. So I'm a fresh, yeah. The we'll, fresh youngster, youngster. We'll go to the bullpen and Scott who's the, uh, for the fresh arm. All right, everybody, please subscribe to the podcast. It's been huge. So thank you so much for all the support and the kind words in the last couple of weeks. Let's, let's all keep the, the good, ju- the good juju going and uh, tell a friend, tell an enemy. We'll see you next time.